Welcome to Globally Speaking, sponsored by RWS Moravia and Nimzi Insights. Are you ready to dive into the most critical issues impacting language and localization today? Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who is engaged in global communications. Your hosts for Globally Speaking are Renato Beninato and Michael Stevens. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. And now, here are Michael and Renato. I'm Michael Stevens. I'm Renato Beninato. And tonight we have a Globally Speaking Live event. I am Didi Shikir, and I am happy to be a part of this. Thank you for being here, Didi. Yeah, so Didi, Absolutely. we Thank generally you for having me. we generally ask our guests to introduce themselves in one or two sentences, the way they would at a professional cocktail party or something like that. So, what are you about? I am a truth teller to a fault, and I am not long for a corporate career because of it. <laughs> hmm. And what is that corporation that has the displeasure of having you as part of it? Yeah, so I'm a program manager for the Gap Tech division of Gap Inc. So we own Gap Brand and Banana Republic, Old Navy. So Can I make I'm a the complaint? IT side of our jeans. Oh, okay, are you involved with sizing and things like that? Because they used to sell XXL <laughs> and now they stopped and they only do XL. So I can't buy my shirts there anymore. Once upon a time, I was a part of the sizing. Late breaking news, all those sizes are coming back. Oh, oh. thank you. Wow. You heard I'll, it I'll be back to buying at Banana Republic. We are a sizing democracy now. <laughs> Thank you. And so, Didi, while you work in the IT side of The Gap at this moment, you actually have a long professional career at The Gap. You didn't just start in IT there. What was your first job at The Gap? I used to clean out the fitting rooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was my first high school job. I was like 15 years old, working at The Gap on Lakeshore, Literally seasonal sales associate and used to clean out the piles and piles of clothes from holiday shoppers. And for some of our listeners, Lakeshore Avenue is a street in Oakland, California. Yes. How did you get into managing IT and what does that even mean? I am still figuring that out. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So languages. We're getting to origin story here. Yeah. I think there's a mother involved in the story. There, there is a mother is. involved in the story. Yeah, so my parents immigrated here to the United States after the war. I'm also the youngest of five, so if everybody's trying to figure out after which war. So my parents immigrated after World War II from war-torn Poland. And so my grandparents are fluent native Polish speakers. My parents are native Polish speakers and... When we were growing up, we basically learned Polish when our grandparents were displeased with us. We figured out when our grandparents were talking trash about us. I'm Um, sure they didn't call you Didi then. No. Actually, my brother gave me my nickname. My full name is Dariana. And so one of the interesting things about your career path is you have this background in retail. You have a story within your family of origin related to languages. And then you said early on at The Gap, you actually came into contact with some of the technology that's used in our industry for a very, very brief time. Oh, the translation services, yeah. So if I actually like jump back to the family sort of aspect of it, I was telling you, my mom actually did a lot of translation work before I think most people in the translation services even thought that there was a career opportunity in it. So as a kid, I remember my mom receiving like faxes. And it seems like most people in the room knows what a fax machine is, so that's good. 
So we just received faxes and faxes and faxes of Polish documents, and she'd translate them all by hand and then put it into a manila envelope and take it to the post office and mail it, certified mail, just to make sure we would get there. So it's been quite an evolution from the days of fax machines to what you guys have going on now in the translation services. It's advanced a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. So now with Gap, we're a global company and it requires us to offer our e-commerce site and corporate communications and everything under the sun in a multitude of languages. And so now our company leverages translation services for us to be able to operate globally. And it's It's something that I'm very peripherally involved in, but it's really fascinating to see how necessary it is for folks to feel a part of a company and for a company to operate globally. And what do you mean that language of feel a part of a company? So we've got teams in China, we have teams in Japan, we have teams in France, we have teams in Italy now. We were in Germany at one point in time. So it's easy to, I think, feel like you're just in a remote office versus you're a part of a major global company. And every time your CEO sends an email, it's not just an email in English that gets translated by somebody in the office, but it's actually translated and the sentiment comes across and you feel like you're a part of Mm. something bigger than your 150-person local office. One of the topics that you brought up is the e-commerce dimension of it. So e-commerce doesn't deal only with language, but it deals with currency, it deals with shipping, it deals with fulfillment. So what I do on a day-to-day basis is the IT architecture of what makes everything work together. So it's basically how do we make sure that we don't blow everything up? There's a lot that goes into our e-commerce services across the globe and the translation piece that's involved in that is just a small sort of like Mm -hmm. fraction of keeping the lights on of all the the points and clicks of people buying jeans and t-shirts. I mean, at the end of the day, we're selling jeans and t-shirts. How hard can it possibly be? (laughs) Well, we were talking about sizing earlier. (laughs) (laughs) It can be pretty hard depending on your size. Well, it's funny because recently I was working in a project and the challenge was how do you communicate? So you think Hong Kong and Philippines, both in Asia, but Hong Kong buys... British English, Philippines is American English. Hong Kong uses British sizing, Philippines uses American sizing. So all of this involves huge logistic challenges and the infrastructure needs to address that too. So the infrastructure, the data analysis, it's all there, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you do with it and how do you make decisions? Prior to joining our Gap Tech division, I actually was a financial planner for our inventory planning team for Gap Brand. And so that was actually something that we addressed all the time was, you know, what does your sizing look like for China compared to what it looks like for North America? And it's vastly different. And so your supply chain needs to support that in the capacity of you might size for XXL in the U.S., but you're definitely going to size for XS small in China and Japan. And, you know, how does your supply chain support that? And we're incredibly data-driven company, Mm -hmm. and we're constantly evaluating our supply chain to be more responsive so that when China is selling more of the smalls, then how do we flex our reorders into that market to support those sales? The question is, from a business perspective, what drives this decision-making? Are you supporting some of these decisions with the information that you gather, or are you driving these decisions? 
who is at the end of the day responsible for defining your global supply strategy? So I like to consider myself an enabler. Mm-hmm. So how can I support the tools and systems that ingest the data and make recommendations with the data so that I can enable the teams that are going to use that data to essentially pull the trigger? And at the center of it all is it's the tools, right, and how you interpret what's in front of you. So we just turned 50 this year. So we do a tremendous amount of data ingestion, data cycling, cleaning it up, and then informing our inventory planning teams on the supply chain side of things. Mm-hmm. So we have a merchandising team that figures out, you know, do you sell yellow in China versus red versus blue and green? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's the inventory teams that are sort of, in my opinion, making the magic happen. And it's entirely data-driven based on sales data, based on forecast trends. And they're looking at things, you know, six weeks ahead of time. So when you see that white sneakers are a fashion trend, well, they've already known about that for the last six months. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, they established that trend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Didi, when you think about other companies that are doing global retail outside of the one that you work for, who are the leaders who you look at and why? What are the companies you say... These guys seem to have it nailed globally, and maybe we're benchmarking ourselves against them. My personal opinion is that we are all making this up as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I think that everybody is a unique consumer, and every retailer out there is doing their best to satisfy the consumer needs and do their best to forecast trends and put things out there that they think customers are going to buy. There are way more flops than there are successes, and most people just don't know about it. Our audience loves stories. Tell us a success story or a horror story, your choice, something that you were involved with that we can learn from. I'm particularly proud of when I was the planner for the men's North America business for Gap Brand three years ago, almost four years ago now. There was an opportunity for our our men's woven business, so these button-down shirts that you guys have on. That's a woven. In case you didn't know, it's a woven. And we were crushing it in the U.S. market where we were literally running out of inventory on a daily basis, and we were trying to figure out how do we take inventory from stores where it's not selling even just sizes, right? Like your size medium down the street is definitely going to sell you know, across town. And then we had this whole wovens business in the Asian market that was actually not doing, it wasn't as strong, not for a lack of trying, but it was just that knits were very strong in our Asian markets and wovens were very strong in the U.S. market. So we were able to essentially forecast out if we could take all of our inventory out of our Asian market and transfer it into the U.S. market, how much gross margin could we drive out of that? And what's it really going to cost us for us to ship it essentially overnight? How many store labor hours to actually take all of those units out of our distribution centers, out of our stores, put them into boxes and get them into our U.S. stores within essentially 72 hours. And this is all work that I was driving. I had no experience and it was totally going on a hunch. And I had a manager who was incredibly supportive of this uh, idea. And we ended up driving an additional million dollars in marginal profit within the first 30 days. So. To me, it was kind of like, that was it. Let me use the numbers and let me drive the business. And the company got behind it, which, you know, we're a big company and there's no reason that they had to trust somebody who is sitting in a cubicle in San Francisco, but they got behind me and it paid off. Fantastic story. That's a fabulous story. And I think for our listeners, one of the takeaways for that is 
we often so focus on language, the language that's being used. And there are people and products in countries and in regions that business people are thinking about. So while language is a dynamic, there's so many other dynamics that are running the business yeah, yeah. that need to be considered. Do you know how much time we spent reticketing shirts? <laughs> yes. How many? That, 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 15 we, minutes? We had 50,000 units with Chinese tickets on them. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Roughly how long? It took a team of like 50 people to reticket that within a day. I mean, oh my goodness. Like, well, this is what I was going to ask because you have labeling and ticketing and pricing and all this information that is already embedded in it and you had to adapt all that stuff. It's not just the merchandise, it's everything that goes with it. I think that's like the other thing is we have a, an incredible team that handles our localization. So whether it's ticketing on clothes or marketing promotions in stores, the team that handles all of our localization, like they're so ready to adapt and move on a dime without even thinking about it. You basically are like, here's what we need. And they're like, oh, it's already done five minutes ago. Mm. But none of that is possible, honestly, without the technology that's in play. Again, we're not doing things by fax machine anymore. So if we didn't, if we didn't have localization technology, I don't think that we could have pulled off the inventory mm-hmm. transfer. I don't think that we could pull off effectively communications to our regional offices. And I don't think that we could effectively operate globally if we didn't have the localization technology at our fingertips. So from an IT perspective, one of the conversations that I have with my clients is this, what is content, right? And we, as an industry, we tend to think of content as words and content management, marketing and labeling and things like that. But content is also pricing. Content is also the materials that are involved, descriptions and payroll is content. Shipping information is content. Addresses are content. At the end of the day, these are localization tasks that the IT group needs to deal with, right? The way that you write an address for a company in Vietnam is totally different than the way that you write an address for a company in Indiana. The postal code is in a different position. The states, the geographic distribution, is that something that is in your purview? Yeah, so we have a team that, from a supply chain perspective, manages all of that, and we try to automate as much as we can. So whether you're going from Indiana or Vietnam, we do use technology that allows us to basically take one address and transpose it to another so that it moves through our supply chain seamlessly as possible. And that's sort of like what we're up against is time, right? Anybody who's in the retail space, is time is your worst enemy. So anything that we can use from an IT perspective that allows our product to move faster, that's what we're going after. Didi, when you consider the tooling and the automation around these types of tasks, we focus on translation management systems. Do you see perhaps a greater value that could be offered than just the linguistic dynamic to tools to IT departments? I don't know if this is a thing, so you'll have to tell me. But I think that there's a big opportunity for visual translation outside of language. So even if it's proof of concept imaging to say, how is this going to translate in another market? We know that we want to use this ad or we know that we want to use this print marketing in our stores here in the U.S. Is that going to translate in China? Is that going to translate in France? I don't know. And I think that a lot of that sort of decision making is based on professional expertise over time versus data-driven analysis. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that in my mind, there's an opportunity for how do you digitally translate an image into another market that's going to be successful? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that this is a wonderful story, a wonderful experience. I've learned a lot, and the most important information for me is that XSL is coming back at the beginning <laughs> of so, yeah, ignore the whole I, part about like retail changing. Yeah, it, it's and it's easier to buy a bigger shirt than to go on a diet. You get a bigger That's shirt. A, yeah. It's beautiful. Have I told you that we've introduced stretch into our clothing? Oh. Yeah. Stretch is also democratic. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, sponsored by RWS Moravia and Nimzi Insights. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes or any number of podcast portals. Check out our other episodes on globallyspeakingradio.com, where you can find transcripts from every show. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. So please visit us online at www.globallyspeakingradio.com.